Hey everybody, welcome to the 12 Cast. This is Jake Kirshner, your host. So glad you could tune in today for this bonus episode, Season 1. I want to start off with this thought about a game I used to play. I don't know if you call it a game, actually. I don't know exactly what it's called. It, it's called Mad Libs. Mad Libs was this booklet. It's a, it's a little notebook that has stories, and, and in the stories there's blanks. And in those blanks it says verb or adjective or, or noun or other words I only use when I played Mad Libs. In, in, you sometimes play with a partner. You can play with yourself. There's a different place on the, on the page. You flip the page and you write in these things. You fill in the blanks and then you tell the story with those blanks filled in. And sometimes it can be super silly. It can be funny. And other times it's just weird. It doesn't make sense or it's confusing. There's something about the context of the word or, or the sentence structure. It doesn't quite fit. And, and if you're playing with other people, you might be like, okay, they said this, but I'm going to change it a little bit. So it still makes sense and can be funny and kind of move along. And it got me wondering if, if maybe something like that is what's happened with some verses in the Bible. When, when, when somebody's going to translate the verses of the Bible to make sense to us, to, to modern listeners in, in our language, and there's just a word that there's no context for. There's a word that just doesn't quite make sense. You know, it's a, it's a verb that just doesn't quite fit and doesn't fully express what's trying to be said. And if we read... These last words of Jesus, after he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he says, go therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's what we read in most translations in English, go and make disciples. There's one that says, go and teach all the nations, go and teach all the nations, go and make disciples. I guess that those, that phrasing make disciples, that verb noun pairing there's some reason that those got put together. One of the reasons is because maybe that word teaching just didn't fully express all that was being said. But the other reason is we really don't have an equivalent for the word, for the verb, discipling. I mean, we struggle to even have uh, an equivalent for the noun disciple, but we kind of get an idea, especially if followers of Jesus were like, I'm a follower of Jesus. That means I'm a disciple. So go and make disciples that maybe that makes the most sense there but but here's the thing and and if you read just 12 the book that scott canolenberg and i wrote if you read that you know we use the words make disciples we talk about disciple making disciples but there's something about that phrasing that just doesn't sit well with me i'm going to do something that maybe is a little sacrilegious maybe it'll help maybe it won't i i think it's okay to do but let's just pretend for a second uh, that doesn't say discipling doesn't say disciple let's throw in a different verb that makes more sense to us. Like I asked my kids this, I said, Hey, give me a verb. And I each, my three older kids gave me verb words. They said, uh, swim or swimming, run, running, uh, and jump, jumping. They say, Hey, there's, there you go. So let's, let's throw those in there. Go and uh, jump with all the nations, go jumping with all the nations, go swimming with all the nations, go running with all the nations. But, but if I change that and say, well, go make runners, of all the nations. Go make swimmers of all the nations. Go make jumpers of all the nations. If I say that, I mean, it changes the focus. It, maybe you're like, Jake, the meaning doesn't change. I mean, there's still we're still called to do this thing. And here's the thing. When we say make, the word make, create, manufacture, produce. So go produce disciples. Go make disciples. Go create disciples. It takes the focus. When we say it this way, it takes the focus from the activity to the outcome. 
It, it takes the focus from being on the person doing the activity to the person receiving the activity, to the outcome that's happening in the person that's the recipient of the activity. And again, maybe you're like, Jake, this, this doesn't seem to matter. What's the big deal? Here's the, I, I think there's three words that, that maybe is not as big of a deal as, as it seems, but maybe it's still a big deal. Three, three words, because again, for me, I feel like there's been some, some misdirection of our vision and our mission. I feel like there's maybe even been some, some pain caused because of it. Maybe even a little bit of damage and some confusion and misunderstanding. Here's the three words. Metrics, model, loyalty. In our culture, this, this culture that is very outcomes-oriented, I mean, we're, we pursue outcomes pretty heavily. When you're outcomes-oriented, it's really easy to go from uh, focused on outcomes to fixated on outcomes, to obsessed with outcomes. And then it becomes even easier to dismiss the means by which we use to reach those outcomes. To dismiss the means. And, and, and here's the thing about what Jesus is saying here. If Jesus said, if his command is to, to go and do this verb, to go and do this action... If that's what he's saying, then Jesus' command is about the means, not the ends. And to dismiss the means is to dismiss the command of Jesus. Now listen, I'm not saying the ends don't matter. The ends matter, they do. But the command is not about the ends. The command is about the means. The Apostle Paul, early church leader, church planter, disciple maker, whatever you want to call him, discipler, Let's call him disciple. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to actually get out of this language of saying disciple maker. I'm trying to just say discipling. Paul is a discipler. He's discipling. And he says this about this guy, Apollos. He said, you know, the, the two of us, we're both, doing, we're both doing the work that we're called to do. And one of us is going to plant seeds and the other is going to water. But it's God that makes things grow. God's responsible. The Lord's responsible. Jesus is responsible for the growth. We're responsible for the action. He's responsible for the outcomes. We're responsible for the activities. And when we focus on discipling, when we focus on going and discipling others, we stop measuring our effectiveness on the outcome and we start to measure our obedience to the activities, to measure our obedience to the actions. In the outcome obsession that we tend to have, at least when I've observed this, it, it almost always leads to the seeking of patterns, the, the seeking of uh, procedures, the seeking of prescriptions to, to kind of manufacture and expedite processes. Man, if we can just get a process and a prescription in place, and then we're going to be more likely to produce this predictive outcome, this predictive outcome. And when we start doing that, just listen to that for a second. A predictive outcome where, where there's certain marks or there's certain looks or there's certain features or qualities or, or, or people have gone through the right steps. And that manufacturing and the expediting, it's like this disciple production line. Well, what if we could just industrialize disciple making? I mean, that sounds a little over the top, but that's kind of what we're saying when we're focused on the outcomes. Here's the thing. When we look at the life of Jesus, there is no model disciple. 
There's no mold for disciple making. There's no mold to fit and, and conform and create a pattern for. Jesus didn't make model disciples, but he did model discipling. Okay, last thing I want to say here, focus on outcomes. I think if we focus on outcomes and we become obsessed with them, it leads to a lack of loyalty to relationships. And here's what I mean by that. There, there's there's a, a movement that's been around for a long time to, to, to help people move towards Jesus and convert, to convert people. And if it's not about conversion, it's about completing. If we can just convert and complete, whatever that means, to, to get people through to, to maturity and discipleship. And my observation, again, is when I see, I've seen that, and maybe I've even participated in it, that when the focus is conversion and completing, it's kind of like when the conversion happens or the completion happens, we move on. We have this tendency to just move on. There's no real loyalty or longevity to the relationship when it's dependent upon the agenda, when it's dependent upon the outcomes. When we get so focused on the outcome, when the outcome's not happening, we tend to move on, right? We, we only have so much patience. We only have so much time. And so this person's not maturing. This person's not making a decision to follow Jesus. So we just move on. Or maybe they've, they've been somebody that's been following Jesus and they seem like they're, oh, they're a little wayward. Oh, they're, they're sliding. Oh, they've made this mistake. And we kind of go, I don't think they're taking this serious enough. And so we move on. I mean, Jesus at the end of these words says, I will be with you to the very end. I mean, there's longevity and there's loyalty in the disciple model, discipling model Jesus gives. And when we stop focusing on the outcome, when we start stop focusing on the, the, the noun, somebody becoming a disciple, we just say, no, the focus is on the activity, me doing the discipling to the people in my life. Then all of a sudden I can stick with somebody for the long haul. I can look at discipling not as something that needs to be finished, but I look at it as like my laundry, right? It's messy and it's never done. Here's, here's the thing, and there's many things, but here's the thing. We, we don't have great, we still don't have great correlations for what discipling is. Uh, we have a lot of relational words that maybe get us close, and we're going to look at this in, in season two. We have some words that are going to get us close, that, that maybe give us parts of what it looks like for when Jesus did the discipling. And so we'll explore some of those things, but but we got to figure that out a little bit. We got to if this is a relationally centric activity, we got to look into the relationally centric activities that we do have that we can cling to, that we can lean, learn from, that we can develop tools for and start applying those to the relationships, especially these relationships we're saying I I and I want to have a narrowed relational focus. I want to be intentional. I want to have a smaller group of people that I'm being intentional with. And I'm trying to do this like Jesus did with his 12. And, and so we're going to explore that in season two. And the last thing I want to say is this. I mean, really there there's maybe some pushback on this. Well, well, Jake, you know, it's not all about discipling. You know, we can't just go so focused on this outward focused 
activity and forget that we're all called to have a certain character or have a certain way of living it. And I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this verse, this command of Jesus, isn't about describing the noun, what a disciple is. It's not about describing who followers of Jesus already are. It's a command that that pushes us, that mandates for us, that compels us to step into this activity of discipling. And I can say for me, you say for you, but man, when I am engaged in, in discipling and I take the focus off of making disciples, when I take the focus off of an outcome, man, my prayer times, my Bible reading, my worship times, they move away from being self-centered to being more self-sacrificial. It moves away from being self-preserving to, to, to giving and generosity. And so many of those things that, that we get so concerned about, what does it mean? What are the marks of a disciple? How am I supposed to represent being a, a follower, a disciple of Jesus? Many of those things start to fall into place, start to, to be refined when I'm engaged in discipling. They, they compel me to, to prayer. They compel me to ask for more help from Jesus. They compel me to understand more of God's word. They compel me to worship and to gather with other believers. They compel me to receive the tools and the equipping and the encouragement I need from leaders in the church. And so, yeah, is, is defining a disciple important? Yes, but I don't think that's what's happening in these final words of Jesus. These final words of Jesus are calling us to move away from the outcomes orientation into an activities and action orientation. So I hope you'll join me in doing that and discovering what that is. And we'll continue to refine that, talk about it, try to work on language that helps us as we're doing just 12 to, to be intentional, to prioritize 12 others like Jesus did. Thanks for joining us on the journey. We're looking forward to this conversations in season two. We'll see you soon.